Welcome to Good News Tea. We're spilling the good news. Grab your tea with Z. And we're going to start the day off talking about more power innovation via shipping. At this point, as everybody knows, that shipping is a pretty massive um, greenhouse gas emission source. So the article is titled, Wind-Powered Shipping is Back as a Quiet Revolution Sweeps the Seas. And the article actually points out that um, shipping containers across the ocean, it's about 3% of our greenhouse gas emissions. So 3% doesn't seem like a lot, but that's kind of a big deal in terms of providing a sector where we can do better. So this one is actually we're going back to the past and using sales, but this sales in particular are really big wind turbines that come from uh, yacht racing technology of all things. And when they're not in use, they lay flat on the deck. And um, these particular cells are called wind wings, and they use the same aerodynamic principle that allows aircraft to fly. And instead of providing lift, they're providing propulsion. It goes on to talk about how incorporating these into new build vessels alongside using proper route optimization, it will potentially cut fuel use by about a third and it's not going to cut it entirely because we're not talking like these aren't wind turbines like like your um, standard wind powered farm for power right it's um they provide actual propulsion so it will decrease fuel usage by about a third, which is still, it's it's not insignificant. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of that. This is their first ship, was large enough to hold um, two of the wings, but uh, they are, let's see, the, the Burges, from Burge Bulk's Olympus will embark also from Singapore later this month, and it's fitted with not two, but four of these wind wings. So they're testing various sizes of ships because first, for one, these wings are not small. I think it said they are, yeah, 37 meters tall. So there has to be space on the deck for them to fold down when not in use. But the larger a ship is, therefore, the more wings it can use, the more propulsion they provide, potentially. Uh, there's there's a future in this. And then if, if we combined that with some kind of solar technology as available, depending on, you know, we're talking cost-benefit analysis here, it gets really deep into the, into, you know, whether or not this makes financial sense, but we're looking at possibly in the future really, really cutting down the greenhouse gas emissions from our 
shipping processes, which is a pretty big deal. And the end of this article did something really neat. It says, winds of change, four other innovations that are cleaning up shipping. So we're talking about more progress made in cleaning up the shipping industry's power usage and greenhouse gas emissions. So um, we're talking traditional cargo sailboats, old-fashioned sails, uh, a wind-powered ferry in between Dover and somewhere else in France is now using wind. They're doing electric ferries uh, in Stockholm. It's called the Flying Electric Ferry. It's taking to the water this summer. Uh, Norway's been ahead of the curve for a while, and they have an all-electric car ferry. Um, and then we're also looking at hydrogen boats. So the future of shipping and sailing and potentially even the future for cruises will be a lot less intense on our environment. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with some of these. I'm particularly looking forward to hearing more about these solar, or not solar, sorry, these modern sails that were used in yacht racing. I think it's really interesting to see how the path of innovation works sometimes, how it starts off in something fun and exciting like racing, and it actually translates to being helpful in business and helping out our greenhouse gas emissions. So maybe they were trying to be faster. Uh, we're talking sailboat racing, right? So, uh, well, yachts, but uh, I think there's some really cool steps to witness happening here. And who knows what we'll do with these wind wings uh, once we take them to shipping containers and what the future will look like as far as shipping our goods across the ocean goes. I'm looking forward to it. Definitely a positive news story to hear about that. Um, and um, more positive greenhouse gas emissions. I think that seems to be the trend. I've been going more towards just um, climate change type stories. It's been really helpful to read these stories, but also like that's just what's in the news right now. So we're talking this time on a good news roundup from positive news, they said Ecuador just voted to stop or voted to just stop oil. And they, a histori historic referendum uh, was the people versus the oil companies in Ecuador. And they just voted on this past weekend to halt drilling in a protected region of the Amazon. And 60% of voters said no to all oil exploration in the home of an uncontacted, uh, or two uncontacted indigenous communities. Uh, the territory is quite large and it also contains Ecuador's biggest reserves of crude oil. The binding referendum bans drilling um, in the oil fields along the park's eastern edge, and it says it means about six six hundred and sorry seven hundred and twenty six million barrels of oil will now stay in the ground. 
Uh, it's not going to be an immediate stop. I did a little bit of further research on this. It's going to take about, I think they said it's going to be about a, a year for the whole process to come to a halt. And in that year, they're still going to be continuing operations until it's finally, you know, um, completely dismantled the process and they will produce no more oil from that particular part of the park or park <laughs> of the rainforest and of those indigenous communities land. It's really great to see when people come together to use their voting rights to make these kinds of things happen. You know, um, in the United States, at least, I know that there's a lot of like a downtrodden spirit about how you know, maybe your votes don't count as much as you thought they did. Maybe they're not as important, but definitely vote in your local elections because that's so incredibly important. And you can have a say in changes like that. We were, you know, you can make big change by coming together with the community and using your voting rights and getting, you know, getting businesses to cooperate with certain, um, greenhouse gas cutting processes. And it's, it's a really cool thing to see about, you know, we're, we're really working hard on cutting down oil usage, cutting down on our greenhouse gas emissions, and we're really working hard to protect the environment. And um, on a similar vein, you know, last week we talked about various, uh, a, an insect that was returned from the extinct, and today uh, this article is titled, Prehistoric Bird Once Thought Extinct Returns to New Zealand Wild. This bird, uh, it looks really cool. Hang on. I read this article earlier and I just finally remembered the bird that it makes me think of, but its beak kind of reminds me a little bit of a puffin. Not a lot, just a little bit. It has kind of a rounded, pointed shape similar to the puffin, but it's also got a very brightly colored beak. Uh, the bird is like turquoise in color. Actually, the description for finding it is amazing. Hang on. I'm going to read just this little paragraph here. It says, um, Mr. Reagan, O'Regan, 87 years old, leaned into his carved walking stick and reached down into a large wooden box. He paused a second and slowly lifted the lid. Out shot the hefty body of a bright turquoise bird, legs windmilling, launching from its cage like a football from a slingshot. And this bird, I tried to look up the pronunciation. I apologize if I botch it. Uh, it seems like there's a couple of different ways to pronounce it. I've seen Takahi, I've seen Take. Um, it's a large flightless bird. Looks, you know, uh, it's a much larger bird that's similar to the Kiwi, which is also a large flightless bird. Just... 18 of the birds were released into an area of New Zealand's South Island last week um, onto slopes they had not been roaming for about a hundred years. So this bird, we've considered it to be um, potentially extinct since 
just a moment. Let me find it. There it is, 1898. That was when it was formally declared extinct. I thought it didn't exist anymore. That was it, end of the line. Um, and part of the issue was that they w were absolutely devastated by the um, animals that Europeans had brought with them. We're talking about smaller animals that um, are omnivores. They're stoats, cats, ferrets, rats. Were, um, it's a pretty major issue with them um, over hunting, especially with this particular bird, the Tukay. Um but they, uh, their numbers, are, they were discovered in 1948. Their numbers are now at about 500, and they're growing at 8% a year, which is pretty good. It's making good progress, especially going from being what we thought was extinct to now there's 500. So I guess it would be considered endangered, but it's definitely way better. You know, it's making its return slowly but surely. New Zealand is recovering and they're doing certain things to um, create an environment in New Zealand where these animals can live and reproduce and populate naturally without the introduced predators that were a problem before. And they're also you know, um, doing their best conservation efforts as far as breeding them in a zoo and then releasing them into the wild. And I think I read something about they even use um, sock puppets to feed these birds in captivity when they're very young with socks that have the distinctive red markings on the tips to look like the beak. So they're doing everything possible, even if it seems a little like it might look a little silly or whatever, to make it so that these birds make a return, a healthy, functional return to New Zealand. It really bodes well for the future of the local ecosystem for New Zealand. It seems like their conservation efforts and the steps they have taken to um, create the environment that New Zealand had before the uh, invasive species were introduced. So really great news. I'm excited to hear about this coming out of New Zealand. We're going to hopefully see more of these. Really, I mean, I hope you read the article. The birds themselves are really cool looking. They're very brightly colored. Fantastic birds. I hope we see more of them as time goes on. Now, for this particular episode, I'm going to do something that I typically try to avoid. Uh, part of it is because I'm not trying to tell you where I think you should get your news from. I'm not trying to promote this place and I'm also not trying to take anybody's work. So I want to be very, very clear from the beginning right now. I did not write this. I'm going to read an article from positive.news and the article is written by Gavin Haynes. And I wanted to read this article because I think it's very in line with the message that I'm trying to get across 
with this podcast, at least to some extent, this takes it a little further and we're going to take a step into the future with this particular article. But I think this has been one of the most valuable articles that I've found in my whole good news journey. So I'm going to also link it, but I'm going to read most of, if not all of this article, um, because I think it had some really, really great things to say. The article is titled, What If Everything Turns Out Okay? The Power of Imagining a Better Future. The news is full of the catastrophic scenarios that could face humanity, but where are the heartening visions of the future we're longing for? Transition Town Network founder Rob Hopkins is on a mission to help us dream it into reality. Rob Hopkins has seen the future, and it's glorious. You should see it too, he says. Smell it, hear it. There are children playing in the street again. Deafening dawn choruses. Cycle lanes chalked with rush hour traffic. Indie shops galore. Restaurants spilling into streets. No homelessness. Oodles of civic pride. Crystal clean rivers. Rewilded by beavers. Community orchards. Pollen on the breeze. No fumes. No smog. Just fresh air. The year? 2030. Just seven years away. How did he get there? Well, the writer and activist has, whisper it, a time machine. It's hidden in a secret laboratory under Totnes Castle in Devon, near to where he lives, along with a disbelief suspender and a cynicism overrider. At least, that's the yarn he spins when he's invited to give talks on what he believes is a curiously underrated tool for tackling the climate climate and biodiversity crises our imagination and it goes on to talk about how the uh, part of the brain that's associated with imagination is the hippocampus which is also where our memories are stored and it says it may explain why fantasizing about the future uh, like recording past events, or sorry, like recollecting past events can also be so evocative. Um, I think he's got an excellent point here. And part of, you know, I talked earlier about how the innovation of the wind wings came from yacht racing, which is not a source you would expect for um, greenhouse gas emission cutting resources right it's it's all but you know how did they get to the point from um you know i want to race these big boats to i'm going to use wings for them that's such a wild concept that there is a lot of imaginative qualities in thinking about our future you know and and he says he encourages everybody to go to Uh, Sorry, let me use the direct quote from him, says, going to 2030 should be a daily practice for all of us. And what that allows you to do is sort of reverse engineer your thought processes. And you're talking about, so imagine what 2030 looks like to you. Ideal, you know, we're talking 
what is the ideal life in 2030? Now, it's close enough that it's within reach. Most of us are still going to be there. And so it's something that we can think about in a very real way instead of in like, you know, what is 2050, 2070 going to look like? Uh, 2030 is so reachable that it's something that we can actually imagine. And another quote from the article says, it took 10 years from Rosa Parks refusing to give up a seat on the bus to the Civil Rights Act being passed in the United States. So 2030 isn't even 10 years away. It's, it's close, but it's not quite 10 years away. So imagine the progress from Rosa Parks refusing to give up a seat on the bus that it took to get all the way to the Civil Rights Act being passed. And imagine how much progress we can make in that amount of time it seems so short you're talking like oh it's only a few years but the reality is is that's how life moves this kind of progress can be made in that short amount of time and and it starts with imagining what that looks like what does the future look like to you in 2030 um he said the inspiration came from a t-shirt he was at a Black Lives Matter protest in Washington in 2020, and it said, um, the shirt said, I've been to the future. We won. But um, how can you change the world of 2030 if you start today by imagining what 2030 looks like? What are the visuals? What does the culture look like? How have things changed for the better? And what steps, you know, we're talking reverse engineering, right? So then you say, well, I see what it looks like in my mind. I've imagined 2030 in its ideal. Now let's take a few steps back and think about what it will take us to get there. How do I get, you know, um, Somebody I care about very much has talked about, and I'm sure somebody you care about has talked about this too, but basically, um, you know, you move mountains by tiny stones. You take one stone at a time, and then you place it, and you take one more stone, and we're talking about 2030, right? So what's the smallest stone you can pick up today to move? And I think that's the thought I'm going to leave you with today, you know? So that's my... You know, I'm not really here to give you advice. I'm mostly here to talk about good news, and I got kind of existential with this one. But this article really, I think, for me, was very, very meaningful. And I think that everybody should take a look into 2030. Write it down. Think about it. What does 2030 look like to you? And what steps will get you there? Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Good News Tea.